After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high-quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This Eufy Lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome presented today by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the DraftKings app today. Use the promo code CHAIL that will get you in on all the action. Well, 
The pay-per-view is just a day away and coming up on today's show. I'm going to give you my official predictions for the three biggest fights on the main card. Plus, I want to discuss Hazmat Chemayev's future. But before we get to all that, let's begin with this. My partner Ryan asked me a question. He was all upset. He was all upset. Why is Logan Paul calling out Patty Pimlet? It's weird. That's a quote by Ryan. It's weird. No, I don't agree. I don't agree. I dig the Paul boys. And I did, guys, I tried not to. I tried to not be one of those dorks that likes the Paul bro. I tried everything I could do. I resisted as long as I could resist. I met Jake Paul. That was a problem. That was a problem for not liking him because he was very likable. Logan Paul fought Floyd Mayweather. The gig is up. When you get in there with Floyd, the gig is up. You're now part of the community, period. You don't have to have the golden gloves. You don't have to go through the military. You don't have to try to make a world in our Olympic team as an amateur. You fought Floyd. It's over. You're now part of this group. Not to mention Logan and Floyd had an agreement as to what a winner would mean. Logan won. Floyd did not just agree if you go the distance you win. He thought he could get him out of there. Logan thought, I can survive. I'm going to go out there and, and let you slaughter me, but I believe that I can still be. This was the agreement. that Logan beat Floyd. It kind of irritates me when nobody tells the story that way, and I get that it doesn't need to reflect his record because I also get what an exhibition is. I realize we're splitting hairs. If we're splitting hairs about the exhibition, which does not represent in any way, it's not a win-loss or a draw. It never happened. I understand that. But I feel that you must meet me on the other side of it, which is these two performers ahead of time told us what the rules were. Nobody griped that they went eight rounds because we were told, we the audience were told what the rules are ahead of time. But that also included the outcome. That if it went to the distance and Logan was still standing, that he wins. Now, set that aside, it's not the hill that I want to die. And I then see Logan over the weekend go out there and do a pro wrestling match of which he completely did not belong, and he was great. He showed a complete respect to you, the audience, and to the industry of which he did not belong. Now, he's done that twice. He does not belong in boxing. Both the Pauls, we're going to speak about Logan specifically, he does not belong in boxing. But he showed a respect to the industry based on the risk that he was willing to take and the ability, the conditioning, the techniques that he had to go out and put on a show. You can't deny him anymore. You cannot dismiss him as part of the club. He then showed that same respect. His check is no different from the WWE and WrestleMania ends if he botches the spot. It was expected. Everybody else that has been in his shoes has botched the spot. It's rotten garbage. Dennis Rodman, Carl Malone, these, I mean, these guys were put, terrible. They were terrible. Logan had a respect, and he thought he owed you the audience. His check was going to be the same. He now thinks he owes you, showed you a respect. You should show him a respect back in fairness. Now, topic at hand. Logan has two meaningful conversations in MMA in this past month. Once was with the boss. He sat with Dana White. He was trying to get his brother. He was acting as a manager, and he was trying to get his brother into the UFC. Moreover, with, with an eye on Connor, but into the UFC. Now, Dana asked him a couple of very basic questions that Dana would ask any promoter, such as, 
can your brother get to 170 pounds? The weight we can test and the higher, highest I would ever allow Connor to go. No. Logan said no. Logan then tried to negotiate for Jake and get it to a potential of 175 pounds, but I think his wish was 178. The point is, that was a meaningful moment because Dana White did say to him, I'm not going to tell you no. There was no more than that, but that's a big statement to get from the boss. You now don't have a no. You got something to talk about. Okay, great. Right? Any sales, as long as you keep them talking, you, we still got a chance. That was step one, step two. He came out two, three days ago, and he called out Patty Pimlet. Now, it wasn't a complete and total call out. It was more of a comment. It was a comment that he would do it. Now, when I talk about the Paul brothers belong, and I talk about I can no longer have hate for the Paul brothers, it all started with Jake doing an interview with TMZ where he said in the world of boxing, bring me a worthy opponent. Those are fighting words. Those are cocky words. He didn't stop there. He followed it up. He said, don't bring me a world champion. I'm not a world champion. Bring me a worthy opponent. Bring me somebody with some experience like me, with some athleticism. With some... He qualified. Now I go, oh, wait a minute. Now you got me. That's completely different because now he's not disrespecting an industry. He's not disrespecting the viewer. He's telling you ahead of time. He qualified what worthy opponent was. But don't, don't bring anybody too good. I'm not there yet. This was years ago. Jake, Jake might have changed his mind after beating two world champions. Sharon, what he said a number of years ago. You then look at Logan, who got in there and fought Floyd. Huge size difference. Ridiculous. Had to be an exhibition. There was no commission that would sanction just the weight discrepancy. So they found a way. They did it on their own. Now you have Logan, who has zero experience in MMA. He's for sure a tough guy. For sure. Like it or not. Some of you don't like that. The Pauls are tough boys, man. And he's for sure a hell of an athlete. That's no longer in question. He wrestled his entire youth at a very good level. State of Ohio, one of the top guys, never a threat for the championship, wasn't in a discussion for a scholarship to go on beyond there, but it's still a high level. That's a hard state, and he was one of the boys. That was in his youth. He's played around because he has an interest in jujitsu, and we know that he's got hands. Okay. What does that mean? I could probably describe for you off the top of my head a hundred boys that I know that deserve to be in the octagon far more than Logan Paul. Yeah, they're not as big of a draw, but boy, they put the time in and they got way more skills than what I just described there. He's got hands. What kind of a comment by me is that? He was one of the boys back in high school. What kind of a comment is that? He played around with jujitsu. What kind of a comment is that? Well, for the criteria that Logan is setting up, Logan wasn't as clear as Jake. Jake went right into it and said, we're the opponent, here's where I'm not. So don't bring me someone that's there, but I'm also not here. Don't bring, bring me a worthy opponent. We can both work hard, we can both have a goal, we can both compete, we can both get a little bit better. It's a great statement, great statement by Jake. Now Logan is saying the same thing if he's not qualifying. It's a reason that he's fighting a much smaller guy like Floyd. Your skills are way better, but the risk is different. Your power is going to be less. Should you expose me, should you be able to set a trap and get through, my repercussions, meaning damage, are not going to be as great. I'm, I'm in. That makes a level of sense to me. I don't know if you can make a business out of that. I, I don't know that that's a sustainable model, what I'm describing for you. I'm talking about for the moment, for what they were doing, that was fair. That was a fair trade, and everybody knew it. Floyd knew this guy can't box like me, and Floyd also knew, man, this guy's going to be hard to put down. He's just a bigger animal. 
That's what Logan's doing with Patty. That's why I don't hate it. If Logan was going to come over, look, because here's the most likely scenario. The most likely scenario is Logan's doing this and it's going to annoy a whole bunch of people. And it is disrespectful because Logan will convince plenty of people. The, the average person doesn't know a goddamn thing about fighting. They don't know what they're looking at. You will have fight fans that don't know what they're looking at. There's executives within this business don't even know what the business is. It's one of those things. So Logan would have, if he wanted to come out and be a jerk and talk about, I'm the absolute best and I did this stuff and it was all in secret and it was in training and eventually I'll get over there. He's going to have a big part of the population that's going to believe it, which is going to take away from the boys who have actually earned it. He didn't do that. He's not saying it as clearly as Jake did, but he's saying the same thing, which is I haven't done this and I've got some experience and I'm willing to work really hard, but you've already, you're already really good. All the things that I need to go in the gym and sacrifice and work to get, you already have them. So I will come over. I will get the competition because I am a true competitor. I'm still at the age where I can go out and live some of those dreams. You're the one that's going to go on. You're the one that's going to have another fight and another one. I'm going to come in and do this one time, chalk it off the bucket list and go back to having fun in other places. So it's, I like it. I like it. This is no longer a discussion of can Jake go with Patty. It's completely different. I apologize, Logan. He's much bigger. So he's he's saying right now, when he calls out Patty, he's saying right now, make me some concessions. Make the threat of unarmed combat, which is the most threatening sport that you can do, make the threat a little bit smaller. And somebody with lack of experience like me, but a real willingness will bring my huge, I can take this audience anywhere I want. I'm willing to bring them to you. You bring an audience somewhere, they may not leave with you. You bring your audience, which takes a lifetime to gain, they might stay here. It's a risky game. And he's willing to put that on. Everybody got to put something up. He's willing to put it on. All I'm saying for you is I think it's fair. I also think it's very reasonable. If he started calling out guys, what are you going to call out John Jones? Come on. Come on. There's something about it that has a certain flavor, passes the smell test. I'm into the Paul brothers. Probably the last one you thought you'd say here that. I'm into them. But I also have no problem with Logan calling out Patty or any other 45, 55 pounder. Now, let's spend the rest of the show on UFC 273 and the biggest storyline surrounding the card, one of which is Hazmat Chamayev. And what will happen for him next if he wins tomorrow night against Gilbert Burns? Let's get into that. Ooh, guys, I just got asked an interesting question. Very simple question. It's been asked a million times. But it's interesting every time, and this one's no different. Here's the question. If Chamayev beats Burns, does he become the number one contender? I'm going to give you a beat. I'm going to give you a beat. This is not a rhetorical question. Rhetorical question being identified as a question that I don't want an answer to. I do want an answer. Digested here. I'll stall a minute. I'm going to ask you the exact same question, but I'm going to change opponents. If Gilbert Burns beats Chemayev, does Gilbert Burns become a number one contender? Do you see the problem? And we get confronted with this in this sport all the time. This is absolutely nothing new. I will talk to you guys about a competitive architecture, and this would be what's known as a semifinal round. But it's not a semifinal round for both guys. It's a semifinal round for one guy. And it's not new, not even within this division. 
When you have somebody in the division doing what Dana White calls lapping the division, meaning go, the same guys a second time, it's very relevant. Colby Covington's last fight, both guys, that's a number one contenders fight for either guy. That would be a true semifinal round. Well, no, it's for neither guy. And you will see other fights, like I think this one that I'm explaining right now, yes, I do believe Chimaev becomes a number one contender. That would be one hell of a bounce. And a lot of it's going to have to do with if he's to get the jump on Burns, how is he going to do it? If he runs through Burns, and I don't care how you wanted to define that, if he takes Burns down, case for that one time, and they, they never get up again. The next time they get up is to shake hands and say goodbye. If he does that, yes, for, for sure. If he doesn't, if he goes all 15 minutes, but he wins all three rounds, if he goes all 15 minutes and it's a back and back, a back and forth war and it's a split decision, right? It's very different results. And I still, even uh, with that guide, don't have a scenario where I wouldn't argue that he should be the number one contender. And I have seen scenarios in history where politics come into it too. We got a big fight to sell. Got a big fight to sell this weekend. You got a job to do. Go sell your fight. Well, I got another card in a month. Well, that's another month from now's problem. Sell this one. I mean, that's the way that the business works, and this is where the politics I speak of. Let's say that this fight doesn't turn out to be what we think it's going to be, regardless of outcome. Outcome and performance have to be married to have one guy come through the field and be the number one contender. It is a combination of two. You'll have a number of people go, well, if he gets a win here, he's going to... Man, you can have that take it back that night, and nobody will argue. Outcome and performance must align. But let me just share with you a thought is this fight goes and it's not a one-sided beaten. It's not a clear performance. Of course, we are going to have a decisive outcome one way or the other. There is a time that you throw the ball back up and go, I don't know yet because I've got Luke and Mohammed coming up and I'm going to give a good look at that and then I'm going to juxtapose the two. That got happened one time on the same night. Never been a move like this pulled in the history of promotion. And it went off without a hitch. We were in, I believe it was San Jose, for sure California, possibly LA. Dana said going into the card, it was featuring light heavyweights. You had Brandon Vera. You had Shogun. That was one fight. You had Ryan Bader versus Machida. That was another fight. All light heavyweights, all on the same card. And Dana said before the card, this has never been done anywhere. Dana said, I'm going to look at both those fights. There's four athletes. Whoever performs the best of those four fights for the world championship. And when Dana makes a statement that's never been done before, I sit back and listen. How's this going to go? Is the media going to accept this? Are the fighters going to accept this? This is brand new within the industry. Yes, absolutely. There was absolutely no problem. It made for a great buzz. All the fighters thought it was a cool thing. It was just like fight of the night. Fight of the night's going to go to somebody, but I'm going to judge for the entire... This got narrowed down. It worked. It worked in the world of promotion, and it did honored it. Machida won this battle of the four, draws in, goes and fights for a world title with John Jones, does great business, but we never went back to it. We have gone back to a version of it, which is kind of like the one that I just laid out. Jemayev getting the jump on Burns is going to be very impressive, but you must align outcome with performance. Burns, regardless of hook or crook, is probably in the same spot that Colby and Masvidal were just in, which is you've already been there. We're not in a rush to redo it. We do acknowledge that at some point you can earn that and you will be a step closer. That's probably the best that we're going to be able to do. And then you have Blahal and Luke, and those guys do deserve to be looked at. Absolutely they do. 
Just to make one dream come true doesn't mean you get a piss on everything else. Got to be very respectful and observant. Also, it's just one of those situations. When I am asked the question, the same one that I asked you guys, do I believe Chamaya will fight for a championship? We can do the whole big dance that I just did. You give five minutes giving an answer and stalling it out. But the, the, do I? Yes, I do. Yes. If you beat Gilbert Burns, I believe you fight for a championship. And I don't believe that you could get that outcome without having a performance that would qualify because Burns is so goddamn consistent. In any kind of realistic manner, yes. That's my answer. The other side of the coin. Do I believe that Burns will get a title shot? No. Do I think he should? Yes. Yes, I do. I just also think Blahal should get a title shot, and I also think Luke should get a title shot, and I also think that Kamara Usman should be able, if he wants, and I assume he does, to have new opportunities. So there is some politics here. There is a big question mark. The other side of this coin is, do I believe that this is the biggest fight on the card? Yes, I do. Errol Hawani coined a phrase. Many years ago, simple phrase, but it is Ariel's, and I'll rip it off real fast. People's main event. The people's main event this weekend doesn't happen to be for a title. And the people's main event is not coming up at the end of the night. The people's main event is Chamaya versus Burns. There's going to be a lot of attention on that. We're going to learn about Chemayev in this situation. Chemayev has fought in front of some full houses. His last show, by example, of which he had a ranked guy, by example, of which he yells to Dana White, get Brock Lesnar in here, by everything went perfect. But all that did is bounce him to what he is now. The reception that Chemayev's going to get as the weigh-ins is going to be like nothing he's ever had before. The reception that he's going to get when he walks in the arena, the expectations that are put on him, the ranking, the possibility of a world title fight. There's a lot of stuff on this. Let me tell you one final talk on Chamaya. This is going around the internet, but I happen to catch it this morning. Brian Stan, in 2017, was on stage at a UFC. I think this was before a weigh-in. That's not totally relevant, but you know how they do like the Q&As. I believe that's exactly what this is because Brian stands on stage and anybody from the audience can ask him anything that they want. And they did. And the person happened to ask him, who out there in the orbit of MMA is good enough yet has not been discovered and signed by the Ultimate Fighting Championship? And you know what Brian Stan said? In 2017, he said there's a welterweight in Sweden, Hazma Chemaev, and I've never seen him. Brian even said, I, I, I'm not clear on what his name is. This is who he met. He said he's at All Stars in Sweden. He said, I only know him by reputation. Now, I did not know that Chemaev had a reputation in 2017. Chemaev would have been a pretty young boy. In two, that would have put him at 19 years old. And a reputation in 2017 made it all the way to Brian Stan, who knows everything about everything at the time and can say any number of names that he wants. And that's the one that he chose. I just think that that's an interesting story. 2017, Hosma Shemayev was on the tip of Brian Stan's tongue. Here we are in 2022. He's one fight away. Nothing counts until you deal with Gilbert Burns. Nothing. Nothing counts until you deal with the ranked guy. And there's nothing like fighting a guy that's used to big moments, has performed in big moments, and oh, by the way, has been in there for the strap before. That's a whole nother animal. Brian Stan said it in 2017. Saturday, Shemaya proves if Brian was right.
Okay, guys, I'm going to spend the rest of the program giving you my official predictions for the biggest fights tomorrow night. But before I talk to you about Burns and Chemayev, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. Two titles are up for grabs on a stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. And today, new customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets. Win or lose, it is a guarantee if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can still get in on all the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contest. Just draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code CHAIL. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code CHAIL this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 and older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Can you guys believe it? Spring is finally here, and it's almost time to get back to that feeling of grass between our feet while we hang out in the backyard playing with the kids. But before we can get that feeling, we need to get our lawn back, thankfully. Today's show sponsor, Sunday, gets your lawn growing and helps you to keep it healthy all season long. Sunday can help you grow a beautiful lawn without the guesswork or nasty chemicals. Their custom plans include fertilizer and everything you need to easily care for your lawn and with ingredients like seaweed, iron, and molasses, you can feel good with your kids and pets being around. All you have to do is visit GetSunday.com. You're going to put in your address and their lawn analysis tool does the rest. They put together a personal nutrient plan and then deliver it to your door when you need it. Just attach the ready-to-use pouch to a garden hose and spray. Guys, it takes less than 15 minutes. Best of all, this stuff really works. And today, Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off. Full season plans start at just $129, and you can get 20% off at checkout when you guys visit GetSunday.com slash Chael. That's 20% off your custom plan at GetSunday.com. Dot com slash chase. All right, guys. Official prediction. Chemayev versus Burns. Let me bury my lead. Let me put the prediction off just for a minute. Because what you have in front of you is not what I'm sure you realize you have in front of you. If Gilbert Burns beats Chemayev on Monday morning, this is going to be so glaringly obvious. And you are going to wonder how you missed it. How did you think a guy who's never seen a second round in a major promotion could beat Gilbert Burns? Well, Chael, tell you the truth, I thought he was going to outgrapple him. Okay, let's take a look at that real fast. 
Shemaev's a damn good grappler. Let's just look at his credentials. He was third in Sweden. This is Shemaev. This isn't me boosting him. This isn't me insulting him. When he was asked what he did in wrestling, he was third in the country of Sweden. Gilbert Burns was third on earth. Let's back that up. Shemaev got a bronze medal in his national championship. Very hard to do. Very, very good award. Gilbert Burns was third in Abu Dhabi. One was wrestling. Very heavy on takedown base. The other was grappling. Very heavy on submission followed by position and in that order. So now you're coming back to that great debate. Do you guys remember when Ronda Rousey fought Sarah McMahon? I was never looking forward to a Ronda match more than that one. It did not sell out. It did awful numbers. So you guys weren't with me on that. But you had a bronze medalist from the Olympic Games in Ronda taking on a silver medalist from the Olympic Games in Sarah, both in a grappling art that were different, judo versus wrestling. And I love that Dale question, because I tuned in in 1993. I tuned in in 1994, 1995, and 1995 and a half until we had answered the question to see what's going to happen when Taekwondo takes on judo. That's a fascinating concept for me. But one thing that never got tested, even back in 1993, when we were attempting to test this, would put two striking arts against each other, or to put two grappling arts against each other. We never saw wrestling versus judo back then, did we? We never saw judo versus jiu-jitsu back then, did we? We never got to see taekwondo versus karate. So this entire experiment that dates back to 1993, that the world likes to act like is resolved, never even got adjudicated. We did not take similar art. It had to be a striking art versus a grappling art. That was the big concept that was set out to reveal. But what would happen if a great kickboxer took on a great boxer? I know that we've seen it. Don't think you have to correct me, but I'm sure with you, that's fun. What is better, Taekwondo versus Christ? That's fun. And now I am bringing to you bronze for bronze, third for third, wrestling, jujitsu. It's an interesting concept. My first day of MMA was done with Mark Schultz. It was my first step into MMA. It was purely a jiu-jitsu class. But Mark Schultz said to me, Mark Schultz, the world and Olympic champion, one of the great wrestlers the NCAA has ever had, one of the great wrestlers Earth has ever known. He's known by you guys because he fought Hickson Gracie in a street fight. Hickson was 400 and 0. Mark was none and none. They got to end up going and doing a street fight. Mark Schultz, who carries the flag for American wrestling and did for decades, told me the only thing that beats wrestling is jiu-jitsu. And this was the head wrestling coach of BYU where I was going to school. Told me on the first day, jiu-jitsu beats wrestling. Changed my life. Changed my life. Imagine being 18 years old. Matter how you dedicated something like I did. And you realize, uh-oh. Uh-oh. There's something else. I didn't know what jiu-jitsu was. Called my father. It was $45 to join Pedro Sauer's gym at the time. Asked him if he'd pay it. He, he wanted to do it. But he didn't know what it was. My father was very supportive. He didn't know what I was saying to him. I said, Dad, it's better than wrestling. Oh, come on. There's nothing better than wrestling. Right? We didn't know. It's a very interesting concept, guys. And I don't want you to miss that. If Jemayev can throw anybody down in the world, 
that's third in Abu Dhabi. Great job. Now, in this case, he's going to have to do that for 15 minutes, but the bigger question comes, can you keep him there? There is a significant reason that foreign wrestlers have never taken over the UFC the way American wrestlers have taken over the UFC. And that was a period of time. If you were a wrestler, there was even a team out there called the Raw Team, ran by Rico and Lou Ciparelli, and they had put the word out publicly. If you were top six in the nation in freestyle or top four in the nation in Greco-Roman, they got a contract for you. And it was true. And if they could get you, they'd get you into the octagon, gonna get a lot of money put in your pocket. So you got, must understand, the reason the foreigners have never come in over here and done well is because, yes, they can take people down. They don't know what to do once they get them there. They can't keep them there. And if they get taken down, they can't get up off the bottom. The reasoning for that is the scoring system overseas. When you go overseas, you will stay in what's called the parterre position, which just means on the ground. For 20 seconds, and the referee blows the whistle and brings you up. There is no reward for getting up off the bottom. There is no reason to keep the guy down. In America and America exclusively, you'll be given a point if you can get up off the bottom where the other guy is resisting. You will be given a point if you can keep the guy down for 60 seconds longer than he keeps you down. It's the sole reason that you have not seen these World Olympic medalists from other countries come over and have the success that the Americans have. The sole reason. And Chemayev is coming from one of those styles that if he's very good at taking somebody down, and it would appear by the resumes that I'm talking about right now, who's more likely to take who down? The third best guy in Sweden or the third best guy in the world? If you're talking about these, of course it's Chemayev. Of course, at least on paper. I mean, this is between these boys. But on paper, yes. Can he keep him there? You're not just going to keep anybody there. Gilbert Burns is not just anybody. He's not even close. Gilbert Burns was third in Abu Dhabi. Gilbert Burns could be top three in Abu Dhabi today. He has stayed fresh. He has stayed concurrent. He has continued to practice. He's continued to prepare. He's continued to compete. It would be very helpful if you were a better, if you were, if you were handicapping from the inside, if you just knew one piece of strategy for Burns, if you could get one piece, and, and it could be right. Not just something being said. If you could get the right answer to the question, if Burns gets taken down, does he plan to attempt to submit Chemayev? If he does, Burns is getting smoked. Same as everybody else that thinks they're going to submit somebody good from their back. Will not happen. Or is Burns going to have a Damian Maya mindset where he's going to go down as a way of reversing and getting on top and or getting back to his feet and taking energy out of his opponent? If you knew the answer to that question, you know who's going to win this fight. That is what this fight will come down to if it's a long, drawn-out contest. Anything that's fast, right, I, I get all that. If this is a long, drawn-out contest, a worst-case scenario, they're out there for all 15 minutes, and you've got to turn to the three-point-dexter's ringside. If you had the answer to what's going to happen when they hit the ground, if Burns plans to stay there, and if he says, I'm going to plan to submit him, that means he's planning to stay there. There's, we have nothing to talk about. Burns loses his fight. If Burns plans to use his life of scrambling, reversing, and getting back to his feet, you're having a very different conversation because now you come to the question of can Chemayev, who was great at wrestling but comes from a rule set because of the country he was competing in, Sweden, 
He has no benefit and has had no time keeping a man down against his will. It's a very different conversation. Does that mean Chemayev can't do it? No, of course not. Maybe Chemayev can do every damn thing that we hear about. He's going to go on and be champ, 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 and this turns out to be a silly conversation, but we aren't there yet. There's nothing silly about this conversation yet. Is Chemayev as good on his feet as Alexander Gustafson says he is? Is Gilbert Burns as good on his feet as he appeared to be when he fought for a world championship against Kamar Usman and had the greatest fighter currently competing today hurt? Or did he just land a lucky punch, right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff here. There's a lot of conversation. There's plenty of slip between a cup and a lip. What I'm talking to you about is right here and right now, if you think that this is a foregone conclusion, if you think that we are beyond this, if you think that a takedown each round is going to win Chemayev or anybody else in the sport, you're back in 1993. And I do not want you to miss the Ronda Rousey, Sarah McMahon-esque moment of this. That fight was so disappointing for me, not because of the outcome. That was between those ladies. I couldn't have possibly cared less who won. Enjoyed both of them. I wanted to see him grapple. You guys remember the fight that I'm talking about? They get up against the, the fence. The first time they're clinched up, oh, everybody was excited. Everybody that was like me that knew what was really on the stakes here was excited. Boom, Ronda lands a knee. Hits Sarah like in the liver or something. She goes down, the fight was over. We never thought this fight would end with the strike. We thought these two were going to grapple. Two medalists from a grappling art from the Olympic Games, wrestling versus judo. I don't want you to miss this component of it. Nothing has been resolved all the way back to 1993 as it pertains to this. This is wrestling versus grappling in an MMA fight. It's happened before. I realize that. But you might have not appreciated it then. It's going to happen again this Saturday. I want to make sure that you at least have the information you need to appreciate this. This is not undefeated Chamaya, 4-0 in the UFC versus Gilbert Burns former number one contender. That is not what this is. This is the third best wrestler in Sweden taking on the third best grappler in the world. My official prediction, world championship rematch. We're talking about Jan. We're talking about Sterling. Guys, I'm taking Sterling now. Here's the problem. Here's the problem if you're taking Sterling. Has Sterling gotten better since that first fight? Everybody that goes into a rematch must be confronted with the same question, but they must have an answer. Not for the media, not for you, not for the pundits, for themselves. they got to be able to answer this question internally. What is going to be different this time? What did I learn? What did I take away? What have I improved on? Where did I do it? If you're going to become a better fighter than you were the time before, but you're doing all of the same stuff, see how that doesn't work? That doesn't mean you got to leave gyms. Did your coach identify something? Are you strategizing and have you prepared to do it? What is going to be different? All right. And why I say it's a problem is because we have one piece of evidence and it's not on Aljo's side, who I'm picking. It's on Jan's side. And what that evidence is, is he's better. Jan's gotten better. You want to see a damn good fight? You want to try to introduce a friend to this sport? Go watch Jan versus Sandhagen. If they don't like that, don't ever have them watch fighting again. All right? I mean, it's one of those situations. You're going to see everything in that fight, but you're also going to see adversity. And Jan's ability to, to deal with adversity is very impressive. And we even saw some of that in his first match with Aljo. 
Because Aljo was kicking his ass, regardless to the way that you guys might remember that. It was a brawler in yawn versus athleticism in Aljo. Aljo had length. Aljo had speed. Aljo had what we call rhythm. He was just a better athlete, is what I saw. But I think that yawn's better now. Why am I picking Aljo? Do you guys remember when I gave you the great prediction, the great prediction of my illustrious career, and I told you that Juliana Pena was going to beat Amanda Nunes? I told you guys that I believed that for one reason, which is I talked to Juliana, and she told me she was going to win, and I believed her. But I never elaborated on what I meant by that. There's a look in somebody's eye, and there's a tone in somebody's voice. And mark my words, this is a broad stroke, but boy, it's 99-some percent. Both athletes know before the fight starts who's going to win. They know before they ever leave the locker room. They know for the same reason that you guys know who the baddest dude in your class was in the seventh grade. And you know in the 10th grade, and you know your freshman year of college. Because never went outside and tested that, but you knew. I grew up on a farm, so I think I get this a little bit more. I think I understand this concept a little bit more. It was done with cows, and if you guys have seen cows, you go, Chael, great example. If you haven't, let me tell you what happens, which is they get into a field when it's time to eat. And the farmer comes out, puts that alfalfa into the trough. No cow will move no matter how hungry it is until the leader of the pack lets them know. And then they will all walk in order to the trough with the leader leading. Nobody eats till he says they eat. It's a very interesting thing to see. I'm told in the animal kingdom that all walks do it like that. I haven't seen it. I saw it with cows. And it's every meal, every time. And no cow is going to break that order. They just won't do it. That's the same thing that happened to you on the playground. It just comes back to back my example. The guys know who's going to win before they're going to get in there. They could give you a real good percent. Well, I'm 80% sure I'm coming in second tonight. And then you'll see guys change their strategies. The boring fights that you've seen in your life is because one guy knew what the outcome was going to be, and he saw a moral victory in getting the distance. I could give you guys those examples until I'm blue in the face. I've seen them in jujitsu. I've seen them in boxing. I've seen them in wrestling. I see him in MMA all the time. One guy knows what the outcome is going to be. He thinks he's done a better job if he went more minutes. I know some guys that are such hammers that get everybody out there, out of there, that if the one guy can just be the one that went 25 minutes and was the first to do it, he gets some kind of a victory. Okay. Okay. But what I'm sharing for you is both guys know when I talk to Sterling, he is very serious and he is very confident. There was not an arrogance in the least. He learned from that fight. He was not crazy about his energy and effort as that fight was winding down. Now, that's what many people see. The people that are betting against Sterling are only remembering that. Yes, the tide was turning towards Yon. Can we all just tell the truth and admit to that? But Sterling, without making an excuse, he was making a comment I personally picked up on it, talked about where that energy went, and it had to do with the weight cut. That's a very real thing. I don't want to go too much uh, more into the conversation that I had with Sterling about that because if I retell the story, it's going to sound like excuse making. I'm here to tell you guys it was not. He did not use it as an excuse that he won the fight, for goodness sakes. He took the strap off the guy. He's got no excuses to make. He's got no apologies there. 
I'm offering for you to answer the question of what's going to be different because the winner has to say it, but so does the loser. Both guys need to go out and have a better performance. Both guys. And it's something very, very relevant with Aljo. And there is a real advantage that comes from taking a break. That's a tipping point with a lot of factors. How old are you? What is causing the break? There's a number of things that lead into that, but Aljo happens to be on the tipping point that falls in favor of him. The number one thing that you will get from a break, people always say, I got to rest. I got to heal up nagging injury. <laughs> nagging injury. What a dork. Have you ever said the word, a nagging injury? What a nerd you are. But guys say it all the time. I got to go heal up my body. Guys, they don't even know themselves. Their body feels fine. Everything feels fine. They're in the tough guy business, for goodness sake. How good do you got to feel? They got to rest their mind. Get tired of doing it. You get tired when you don't even know you're tired. You're getting ground down and you don't even know it. You're a tool that is getting sharpened so much that it gets ground down. Rest is so important. And if you come in with a clear head, and I can tell you that, but I can tell you for eight different times of my life, I don't get to live in a season. We do not get to live in a season with MMA. But when I was in high school and when I was in college, you were undefeated. You have a terrible freshman year. You get to start unbeaten. That's the way the media will tell it. They will never bring what happened your freshman year. Your sophomore year will be your sophomore year, 36 and 0. But that rejuvenates a guy. Just because you have that built-in mechanism to reset, there's only a few resets that you get in life. But when you're in the world of sport, and everybody else aside from fighting gets that every single year. Tom Brady's going to get one. LeBron's going to get one. Tiger's going to get one. Everybody gets this reset button, except with an MMA. So Aljo, for reasons that were outside of his control, was forced into this mode. I think it's a good thing. Now, you could have your own opinions on that. We've seen plenty of guys take breaks, and it did not go well. What I'm here to tell you about is those breaks aren't just about getting better. They're about recharging your mind. And if I was to go back and personalize between... High school, freshman through senior, college, freshman through senior. I There was never a time I was more dangerous, but this spills over to my teammates too. We could all see it the first day we walked in the room. It wasn't because we had gotten better. We thought that we, we found some magic answers over the break. It was the opposite. We hadn't broken. We hadn't given up. We hadn't been scored on. Maybe we didn't score anybody else. Maybe we didn't even touch anybody else. We're driving around in our car, listening to our favorite song, and putting ourselves on the mat, and every time we envision it, we win. There's a confidence that you get. You do not get better at this sport by doing the sport. It is the only sport in the world where experience is not a good thing. First time you quit, the second time you quit isn't going to be to the same point as the first one, but further, it's going to be closer. The wall will continue. That wall that you finally hit will start getting closer. The more you put out there, the more injuries that you push through. You cannot now endure more and the wall gets pushed back. It comes a step closer. So breaks are very helpful. Listen, in the break, I saw what you guys saw, which is as good as Jan always looked, Jan's better. I know it. And I know he's pissed off, and I don't know what that emotion does. I've never seen an angry Peter Jan. I believe in his skills, man. That guy is awesome. I also know what I saw the first time which is 100% the way Aljo explained it. Aljo was doing great. Aljo ran out of energy. 
That's true. And he's identified it. And most guys will identify that and have to spend more time doing cardio, more time on the Aerodyne bike. Wake up a little bit more uh, earlier in the morning, get extra road work in. That's what most guys would have to do. Aljo's saying, no, that's not the case. I was completely ready. My gas tank is completely full. I don't have to change a damn thing. What bit me in the ass was day before known as the weigh-in, which is real. I'm picking Aljamain, and I'm picking him because he told me he's going to win. prediction Volkanovski versus the zombie zombie by knockout what do you want to do <laughs> you want me to keep going I've already lost you. you you've already moved on to the should I say it for for the three people that are still here should I say it for my father-in-law Steve who's still around watching look I do not believe zombie is a better fighter than Volkanovski I don't know that they're comparable I do not know that in any standard atmosphere or landscape that Zombie even gets the opportunity. Now, he's a damn good, but that's not what I'm talking about, right? 145 is, is very special. We all agree on that. We have an argument within the sport about which is the harder division, 45 or 55. That's a hard one. If you're just going to do a consent, right? That, my point being that I'm not sliding Zombie. God, I just picked the son bitch to be the champion of the world. I'm not sliding him, but if we're in all fairness, no, I do not believe that he's as good as Volkanovski. I don't believe he's even close. I don't believe he's going to win a round. I do not believe in this 25 potential minutes that Zombie wins a single round against Volkanovski. I think he's going to win the fight. I think he's going to knock him out. I think he's going to knock him out. What I need is for Volkanovski to underperform. We have never, Volkanovski doesn't get enough credit for how consistent he is. There's a number of guys out there that are best in the world. Truly. One day, one moment, one hour, one match of their life could be the best in the world. It's doing consistently. You don't win that one moment is. A lot of guys use that one moment on the road. A lot of, most guys use that one moment in the practice room. You don't know when that moment's going to come. I'm talking about is being consistent. And Volkanovski is. So when I talk about him underperforming, I'm not looking at Volkanovski. I'm not looking at Zombie versus Volkanovski in the least. I'm not looking about Volkanovski throws a jab and leaves it out, and Zombie's going to step over the top with that left hook right like some fight jerk's going to do. What I'm talking about is it's very chaotic the way Zombie fights. They call him Zombie for a reason, which is he can take a beating and walk right through it. You can't kill him. I mean, literally, though, right? Tough language. That's why they call him the Zombie. That's the comparison they're attempting to make, and nobody's ever thought that that was a bad moniker. So I am factoring that in that I don't think Volkanovsky's going to finish him. I think Volkanovsky's going to beat the you-know-what out of him. But that gets you tired. It gives you a false sense of security. You're going to the fight almost 8-1. to one. It was 7 and change. Favorite. There's a lot going into that that is against Volkanovski. We haven't seen somebody having crowd support ever serve them. We have not seen anybody be a huge favorite where it's ever served them. 
When you have these ridiculous fights, it's 10 to 1, it's 11 to 1, you have one of two bad things. You have terrible matchmaking done, or you got a big upset to look forward to. It hurts the guy. And I have no evidence that Volkanovski's ever done that. Not on Volkanovski specifically, but I do have history within the sport. I can go all the way back to the very first one of my lifetime, which was Mike Tyson versus Buster Douglas. The story uh, was the same. I can fast forward the tape to Michael Bisping versus Luke Rockhold. The story was very similar. And Zombie's in a very precarious position because of some of the tough stuff I said about him. Because he's not as good. He's aware. If you know you can't go take a guy down, you can't pass a guy's guard from your back, you can't guillotine, you can't try. If you know how limited your options are, you just got your marching orders. Nothing could be more helpful. You're going to fight where you're going to kick this guy's ass for 15 minutes in all three realms of fighting. Your brain's in 20 different places. All right, if his hook comes in, I pass this way. If he comes to my hips, i got to knock him down. I can stand up if we're against the fence. You're, but you, you're in a, a million different places. You're trying to do a million different calculations. If you only got to do one thing, which is stay on your feet and throw shots hard and weird and lots of them and hit him right here, and I got 25 minutes to do it. It's very different, which is why I do come back. I do not believe Volkanovski is going to lose a round of this fight. I don't know what round they're going to get done, but I do believe that the zombie's going to catch him. I don't think the zombie's going to wear him down. I think he's going to chop him down. I think Volkanovski's going to get tired and quit. Like the Mike Tyson fight or other upsets you have. I mean, that's generally what it is. A guy overuses his energy. He's got nothing left. He has to fold because the clock's still going. That's generally what it is. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that you're going to have a brutal fight favoring uh, Volkanovski. Zombie's going to do what Zombie does, and Zombie's going to catch him. That's what I think. I think if you're Team Volkanovski, you do not go trade with this guy. you got to trade a little bit. you got to punch to get into the clinch. You got to distract him to get to that body. I think Volkanovski has a lot better wrestling than he gets credit for, and he's a bear on top. I don't have to prove that point to you guys. You've seen that. I think he needs to get this guy down and keep him there. I think he listen to the booze, listen to the referee warning, whatever it might be, warning you to bring you up and restart the action. Whatever it is, if you got to slow the pace, whatever you've got to do, every second that he's out there trading, I think is bad news. And not to mention, I think Volkanovski is the better striker. What I'm speaking about is the defense. If Volkanovski believes and knows he's the better striker, the first thing that goes isn't your power or your speed, it's your defense. All of a sudden, your chin starts showing a little more. All of a sudden, instead of setting up with two jabs and coming, you set it up with one, then you try to do a hook, and then you do some kind of weird footwork thing that you worked in in the gym or you saw some boxer do and you've always wanted to do it, right? I mean, guys do this all the time. I have no evidence that it's going to be Volkanovski. That's my prediction. Korean Zombie's going to win, and he's going to win by knockout. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. And I hope that you can get together with some friends on Saturday, maybe order some food, grab some drinks, and have yourselves a great fight night. Enjoy it all. Make sure you're here next Wednesday. We will meet again, and I will give you the correct reactions. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.